Well, welcome everybody to Wednesday nights at HBC. We're glad that you're here. And we have started the story back um, with the New Testament on Sunday. And so we're going to talk about the, uh, the Christmas story a little bit tonight. Um, there's like obviously so much to talk about that we can't cover it all, but um, hopefully we can get some good discussion going about a, a couple of a couple of the um, uh, sections of scripture that um, that I want to look at tonight. And I think we're going to start with John one. But uh, so if you want to go ahead and start turning there or uh, tapping over to there on your phone or whatever you're going to do. <clears throat> Brenda Young says, well, you went all out with the tree. Yes, we did. Um, uh, yeah, so we're, uh, we'll start in John 1, but before that, let's, let's pray. Are there any prayer requests tonight? Jason Tyler lost his grandmother. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Dorothy Fox. Okay. Just continue to pray for my family. Uh, we lost my uncle and my cousin. So continue to pray for my aunt and my cousin's wife, Tracy Stouffer and Cynthia Stouffer. All right, well... Um, Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for um, the, um, the privilege and the, uh, the honor that it is to be able to meet together tonight. Um, Lord, after um, such a, a rough year and a half where there were times where we couldn't, Lord, I just pray that we don't take this for granted, that we can be in the room together uh, and, and, and just fellowship with one another and Laugh together, Lord, and um, and discuss your word with one another. Uh, I just pray that your um, spirit would move uh, in us and around us tonight uh, as we as we dive into your word, Lord. We do um, ask that you would uh, be with the Tylers, um, comfort them in their time of loss, and also the Lays um, and the the Stouffer family. Um, we just pray that you would be with them and comfort them and bring them peace and continue to bring healing. <clears throat> um, God, uh, Lord, as we open your word tonight, I just pray that you would speak to each of us uh, in the way that we need. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, John chapter 1. Everybody ready? <laughs> Here we go. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All right, so where have we heard that phrase before? Something similar. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. That's right. 
uh, Genesis 1-1, right? Um, and I like that John brings this up here. Why do you think John uses that phrase? Yeah, he grew up here in the Torah. I think he uses this because when we read Genesis 1, what is that, what is that scripture about? It's the what story? Creation. The creation story, right? We learn about how this world began, how cre- about how creation began. And I like to think that John uses that here because he is um, leading into a new story about how the new creation begins. And it begins, all creation, whether it's the original or the new creation, begins with who? Who does it begin with? God. Yes, and more specifically... Jesus, yes. Fear, fear. Sunday school answer. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Tony. You want trade spots? No, you look good. All right, so... Jesus, the Word, was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Does anyone have in your Bible a little footnote letter on that verse? Is anyone carrying an actual Bible? <laughs> we all have your phones. Do you have a, like three little dots yes. there somewhere? Or understood. By mean? understood, by the word understood. Mine says overcome. Mine says overcome. Yours is understood. Mm-hmm. Right. Mine says the, overcome and the footnote yeah. is understood. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I said it backwards. <laughs> you said it back. Yeah, you said it backwards. Yeah. Um, my footnote here says... It has this uh, note that uh, we're darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So when you see those things, typically what is happening is there is a very literal translation of the original language, and then there's the English translation where they try to help us understand what the literal translation means. And sometimes that is really helpful, and sometimes I think they miss the mark. And this is one of those times where I think they missed the mark a little because this does make the verse sound quite a bit different. If you read it, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Doesn't that read a lot differently? And doesn't that offer up a lot more hope in the light if we know that the darkness has not overcome it? <laughs> um, when I was a kid... I remember at least a couple of times a year, it felt like, um, you know, we would have a storm, right? Uh, 
And during a big storm, sometimes living in rural Kentucky, what would happen? The lights would go out, right? You'd lose electricity. And when that would happen, my parents, my mom, would go, find, go into the hall closet. My dad would go find a flashlight, of course. But my mom would go to the hall closet and would find um, her candles. And, you know, it could be pitch black, but you light one candle in the middle of the room, and what happens? It overcomes the darkness. And, um, and then you get out a few more, and you're like, it's pretty bright in there. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not like having lamps and stuff, of course, but it, it does overcome the darkness. The darkness can never defeat the light. And aren't you thankful for that? I mean, how often does the darkness try to overtake us? Only it's pretty day. often, right? Only every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, only every day. But we, um, we have a light, and his name is Jesus. And Scripture tells us what? That... Jesus lives in us and that we live in him. And so it is a, um, a great truth to hang on to, isn't it? That when the darkness tries to overcome, that we can stand firm and assured that it can't overcome the light but rather the light overcomes the dark. <clears throat> Anybody want to push back on that, play devil's advocate, or <laughs> ask a question, or share testimony, or of a time that you felt like the darkness was going to overcome and the light prevailed? Okay, don't say I didn't give you a chance. All right, here we go. Uh, verse 6. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That was a lot of lights. That's a lot of lights in that passage, isn't it? Um, yeah, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. I have another, you might have another three dots. Uh, I'm going to pay attention to these footnotes because I think they're important. Um, mine says, this was the true light that gives light to every man who comes into the world. So that also reads really differently, doesn't it? Because the way it looks like it reads, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That's referring, that, that light's referring back to 
Jesus, right? At the end of that verse, but the way it literally would be read is this was the true light that gives light to every man who comes into the world. That gives light to every man who comes into the world. They're very different, very different statements. In other words, every man that comes into the world, every man, woman, and child that comes into the world has the hope of the light who is Jesus. That's available to them. Um, because Jesus is the true light that gives light to everyone who comes into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to, the, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, I have two things in verse 14 that I'd like to talk about. First is that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Do we have any other words for dwelling that you all are reading? Lived. Lived, Lived, yeah. Anything else? Okay, the... um, Again, the literal word there is, is tabernacled, okay? So what's the tabernacle? Tabernacle was the the big tent, right, where the presence of God resided with the Israelites. So as they moved around, they took the tent with them, the tabernacle with them, and God's glory, which resided inside the tabernacle, uh, went with them. Does anybody know how um, they set up camp when they would move? You know, they didn't always have a, like a permanent home, right? They were sort of like nomadic for a long time. Um, do you know where they placed the tabernacle when they would stop? Uh, they placed it in the middle of the camp. In the middle of the camp. And so they would have um, basically three tribes on each side of the tabernacle, which was in a rectangular, uh, set up in a rectangular um way and yeah three tribes on each side so 12 tribes of Israel and uh, but they were all they all had like they were all equidistance from the presence of God and so God's presence tabernacled with the Israelites right um and this is saying the word, be- the word became flesh and made his tabernacle or tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Why do you think 
it's so important that Jesus come full of grace and truth. I mean, the Holy Spirit speaks through John right here. He's inspiring John to write this and says these two words. It's very specific about how Jesus is, comes and he's full of grace and truth, both of those things. What would it be like if he had one and not the other? He, he has the truth to tell you what it is, but he knows that you're going to fail at some point, and so that's where his grace comes in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It would, he would be um, a very harsh teacher if he only was full of truth, wouldn't he? But he would be a very ineffective teacher if he was only full of grace. Really, he, um, if he was only full of truth, no one would want to have anything to do with him. If he was only full of grace, he would never be able to lead us to where we need to be. So it's, I would say, vital to Christianity that Jesus be full of grace and truth. So my follow-up question to that is for myself um, and, and for you all is, um, are, are we that way? Well, it's what the church should be. Yeah. The church. Why? Well, Jesus was. <laughs> yeah. But it's like what Emily said. It's, you really can't have one without the other. I, I don't. You can, I guess. But <laughs> Jesus didn't. So that's why we should. Nobody's going to want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. If you're perfect or perceived per- to trying to be perfect, they're going to say, I can't be that. Right. They need that grace. They need that gift. I think uh, a lot of this goes back to what we were studying on Thursday. Before Jesus, what did we have? We had law. Mm-hmm. And what did the law basically tell us? told us that we weren't perfect, we can't do it, so yet law and condemnation. <clears throat> so now Jesus is basically saying, I'm going to have truth, which we have law, we have truth, but with that, you're also going to have grace because you can't do it. So there, I think before, a lot of, you know, we had the law, I can never live up to the law, I got to wash, I got to purify, I got to do all these things. And as soon as I get all that done, I'm going to break the law again, and then I'm condemned again. And now it's, no, you got grace. Jesus brings you grace, but with that, he writes a new law in your heart, and you have truth along with that. So now it's, it's easier to live. It, it frees us to uh, forgive ourselves, to forgive others, and therefore love like he's loved. Um, there's this, this, this guy named, I, I don't really know much about him at all. His name is Warren, uh, Veersby. And there's this quote from him that I, I read once that I liked that was, um, truth without love 
is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. And I think you could say the same thing, the same thing. You could almost substitute love for grace in that quote, and it still still holds um, that, that truth without grace is brutality. I mean, the truth can be brutal sometimes. Not that we don't need to hear it, but it can be. It can hurt. Um, but grace without truth is hypocrisy. Um, so as believers with Jesus, who's full of grace and truth living in us, we too also need to be people who are full of grace and, and truth. Um, does anybody struggle with that? <laughs> I do. Uh, I can even struggle like hearing it too. Like I was talking to Susan the other day, and like she was so brutally honest with me and told me what I needed to hear, um, stuff that I didn't necessarily want to hear about, you know, whatever, um, personally. But I needed to hear it. But she did it at the same time with such grace. It wasn't someone barking at me, being disappointed or saying you should do this or whatever but so equally yoked it and balanced it with grace. And I think, you know, her as well as, you know, all of us can learn from that and be that type of way. Is the same way Jesus was truth and grace. He wasn't just one or the other. So, like you said, not only being that to someone else, but learning how to receive that as well. If someone does give you truth, also recognize that grace if they're giving it to you. And not just being like butthurt that someone's telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. Very good point. Anybody got a response to that? I'm her dad. (laughs) (laughs) Proud dad. (laughs) All right, so verse 15, uh, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he, has, he was before me. If you said that about anybody else, it would be a contradiction, right? But <laughs> he who comes after me um, surpasses me because he was before me. Uh, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, there it is again, came through Jesus Christ. And no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Um, I think that's, oh, there's my glasses right there. <laughs> I thought I left them sitting somewhere. I can't even put them on with this thing on my head. Oh well. All right. Um, anything else about John one? Anybody wants to share thoughts that you had? I, I, would, I was going to move on to the book of Luke. I think. Yeah. Everybody good.
All right then, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm just going to read a couple of, of passages from sort of the end of Luke 1. I think one of the things about Christmas, like we always, we always talk about the birth of Jesus. We almost never talk about the other baby in this story, and it's John. John was also born, and he plays an integral part of the coming of Jesus. And so I just wanted to take uh, a few minutes to look at a couple of things here. Um, um, Luke 1, um, verse 62. I'm going to start in verse 62. Then they made signs to his father. Okay, so, so John's been born, and his dad, Zechariah, still can't talk. He's um, mute, and his mom stops this dedication ceremony and says uh, um, that because they're about to call John, about to name him Zechariah, and she's like, no, he's to be called John because that's the name that the Lord gave him. Um, And they're shocked because John's not a family name. And so, and uh, Elizabeth's not really supposed to say anything. So everybody's kind of just like, you know, gasps. There's an audible gasp in the room probably, and, and nobody can believe what they're hearing. And so that's what verse 62 is about. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, um, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this, heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Hi. Um... So Elizabeth and Zechariah, they, they follow what they're told to do. And what is the result of that? People are in awe. It says people are in awe about these things that are happening. And word starts to spread about this baby. And everybody's talking about it. And why are they talking about it? The last line says, for the Lord's hand was with him. And that was apparent to people um, and I don't really know what my question is about it but I wrote in my margin um, may God be our legacy And again, I don't really know how to form that into a question, but um, you know, we may not be 
we're not born to prepare like prepare for Jesus to necessarily like come back into the world the way he did then. I'll elaborate more on that in a minute, but um but there is shouldn't we as the church live and respond to things in such a way full of grace and truth that the city of Harrodsburg, Mercer County, is full of awe and um, and wonders what the heck is going on with us. <laughs> like, wonders what God is, is doing. Like, even questions, maybe God is real. Look, look, look what's going on at Harrodsburg Baptist Church. <clears throat> If I can add, I saw this thing on Facebook of all places, right? And it was a meme, and it was like this guy talking to Jesus. He's like, okay, Jesus, should I put a little fish symbol on my business card? He said, well, what's the fish symbol for? He says, well, that's, that way people will know that I'm a Christian business, and you know, if they're dealing with me. And Jesus responds, let's leave it off and see if they can tell by your work. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, kind of like... Zechariah and Elizabeth were following God's commands. I mean, Zechariah didn't at first, which is why he was mute, or he at least didn't believe it. But at this point, he believes, and he gives testimony, mm-hmm. and all the people are in awe. So I think the question kind of you may want to ask, and I could be wrong because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do we live in a way that people can tell that we are representing Jesus in everything that we do at work, at home, at church, you know, and then does Harrisburg Baptist as a whole, do people know, yeah, they're, they, they do a lot for the community, not for their name, but for Jesus' name. Yeah. I guess that is the question I want to ask, but it's not necessarily one that you can respond to. (laughs) Unless someone has a response and then we're willing to hear that, but. Uh, well, people knew this little baby was special, uh-huh. and he hadn't done anything. He probably wouldn't even say, I'm good, <laughs> like little baby Waylon is over there. <laughs> I suppose that's who it is. Um, you know, he was just a new baby, and they knew God was with him, and he was special, and yet we're up and living our lives, and can they tell if you never opened your mouth? Uh-huh. Kind of sobering. Yeah, um, I got to tell you this since we've been talking about grace and truth. That the, um, Jesus later, Jesus would say what that I am. I am the blank, the the way, the blank, and the life. What the truth, the truth right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And and uh, um, John, John's name means grace. And I think that's pretty profound because um, we have these two babies being born in this in this story that are connected, uh, and one one says he's the, claims to be the truth, and the other one's name means grace. And God 
God doesn't mess around with names in the Bible, right? Like he's very specific about what to call people at certain times because he wants to convey a point. And um, and I think that he, just like in John 1, 14, he, he inspires John to write that because he wants this, uh, this, he's ushering in, again, like this new creation, this time of a new creation and he wants them to know, he wants us to know that this is a time that's going to be full of grace and truth. And he even does that with, with these two babies. Um, and I think that's kind of neat. Um, the other part was uh, in, ver- in chapter 1, verse uh, 76. It says, um, this is Zechariah. He's singing slash prophesying and he, um, he can speak again uh, after this, this part we just looked at. And, and it says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and guide our feet into the path of peace. And uh, there in, 70, in verse 76, um, where he, Zechariah is prophesying about what John would do, that for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, him being Jesus, and we all know that that's that is part of John's story. That he he was he was what he was out in the wilderness. He was he was calling people to repentance. He was baptizing people, and um, and kind of like holding revival services out in the wilderness, right? So, um, uh, and the religious leaders didn't like him for it, but God sent him to prepare the way for Jesus. Are we called to do the same thing? Well, Jesus tells us, right, to be a witness. His last, you know, before he ascends, right? You'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and ends of the world so obviously yeah I mean I would say that we are called to be witnesses to um, tell others of this great king of grace and truth and to represent that and um, yeah to, to be a witness a foreshadow of, of the things to come of the new new earth new creation you know, all and, and talk about all that and represent all that uh, for what it will be. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I read that and what does it say? Prepare the way for him to give to give his people the knowledge of salvation 
through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of, of peace. I mean, do people still not need that? <laughs> do people still not need to be um, guided to peace? Do people still not need to know that their, their sin can be forgiven? I mean, we, we are around people pretty much every day, right, that, that don't know that, that need to know that. And um, I can't tell you how many times I've read that passage and just thought of just that was John's job. It's just John's job. That was what he was called to do. And never, ever thought about it in relation to me in my life. And yet, it's not exactly the same, is it? Because Jesus is not going to come again to die on the cross again. I'm not preparing the way for, for him in that regard. But sometimes, like the meme you saw on, on Facebook, you know, can they tell by our work? Can they tell by the way we treat other people? Can they tell by the the um, can they tell by our work ethic? Can they tell by our kindness, by our love, by our grace, by by the truth that we speak in grace and love? Um, and in all of those ways, are those not opportunities to prepare the way for Jesus to come into their life? Are we not preparing? the way spiritually for Jesus to come. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen or something? <laughs> um, so I guess tonight um, I'm just going to kind of go ahead and and start to wrap up but this is your show uh, um, I do want to take some time now to pray we prayed last week uh, we prayed last week that God would give us eyes to see the one we talked about how Peter and John they stopped to talk to the one man after they had just seen 3,000 people come to know Jesus they stopped and talked to the one so we prayed that God would open our eyes to see the one. Um, and for sp someone specifically by name, if you had a name on your heart. And uh, tonight, I want to do something very similar, but tonight I want us to pray. Um, I would like for us to pray that the Lord would show us how to prepare the way. How to prepare the way for the one. And that might scare you, and that's okay. But God does not have us still here living and breathing so that we can just do what we want all the time. He has us here and fills us with grace and truth so that we can prepare the way for others to know him too. 
So let's, um, we're just going to take a minute uh, to pray that he would show us how to prepare the way and use us to do that for, for the one, the one person that we prayed for last week. Um, so let's pray. Chris, would you dismiss us? Yes. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're truly thankful for tonight and for the opportunity to be back in your house. And we're thankful for this time to open your word and to hear your word openly discussed and uh, presented to us this evening. And we're just so thankful that we live in a country that we can actually do this and have the freedom to be here tonight when so many don't enjoy that freedom. We just thank you for our church and for the leaders and for those who uh, are teaching Sunday school and those who are leading and teaching our children this evening. Just be with each and every one. Be with these especially that were mentioned earlier tonight that have um, petitions and requests made, Lord. You know each and every situation and you're fully aware of of all and just be with these families in a special way and continue to be with those who need your help in many different various ways. Please forgive us of our sins and mistakes and we're just so grateful and so thankful to be here tonight and we just uh, lift you up high and uh, thank you so much for all you do for each and every one here. All this I ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for being here tonight. And um, don't forget, we have business meeting at 7 o'clock. So please stay for that. And we hope to see you back here next week at 6. We'll catch you on the flippity flip. See ya. <laughs>